Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Wednesday, August 02ND 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Warming up to a high of 97 degrees with a low of 71.2 Riverside, brace yourselves for a sizzling day. Now onwards to the news. We are shaping today's conversation around the U.S. financial state. Fitch Ratings has downgraded the country's credit rating from AAA to AA+, citing concerns over finances and the debt burden. What does this mean for us? We'll delve into that. Health is a key agenda today, as the new CDC director, Dr. Mandy Cohen, discusses her plans to rebuild trust and address vaccine hesitancy. We are going to explore the highlights of her recent NPR interview. Later on, we'll venture into space, as NASA is hoping to reestablish contact with Voyager 2 following a glitch that caused them to lose communication with the spacecraft. We'll examine the potential implications of this loss. And for the motor enthusiasts, Toyota introduces the 2024 Land Cruiser, sporting retro aesthetics with a twist of modern technology by introducing a hybrid powertrain. We'll give you a sneak peek of what to expect. Stay tuned, we have a packed show ahead. We're starting today with breaking news about the U.S. economy. In a move sure to stir debate across the country, Fitch Ratings, a major credit rating agency, downgraded the credit rating of the U.S. government from AAA to AA+. Elias, our economy reporter, is here to explain it all. Elias, this is a significant move. What's behind this downgrade? Good morning, Connie. Fitch highlights several reasons for this action. It focuses on concerns such as the nation's high and growing debt burden, ongoing political brinkmanship over the country's borrowing limits, and the government's lack of a solid medium-term fiscal framework. Also cited is a steady deterioration in governance over the past 20 years. Combined, these concerns led to the downgrade in credit rating. It's not every day we hear about the U.S. credit rating being downgraded. Has this happened before? Indeed, it doesn't occur often. This is only the second time in history that a major credit agency has downgraded U.S. debt. It points to serious issues concerning the nation's fiscal and debt management, adding to apprehensions about the stability of the U.S. government's fiscal health. What can we expect this downgrade to mean for Americans? Directly, Connie, the downgrade isn't expected to have a notable influence on financial markets. However, Fitch also projects a mild recession unfolding later this year which could have repercussions for American living standards, despite criticisms such as those from former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers and economist Paul Krugman. This is a cause for concern. So I understand the Biden administration has responded? They have indeed. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen criticized Fitch's decision as arbitrary and based on outdated data. Both she and the rest of the Biden administration contend that this decision fails to consider the recovering U.S. economy and the progress made under President Biden's tenure. And how does the debt ceiling controversy factor in? Excellent question, Connie. The debt ceiling, which doesn't limit spending but controls how much the government can borrow, was addressed recently. The wrangling over whether to raise or suspend this limit has added another layer of concern to the U.S. fiscal picture. This political uncertainty no doubt contributed to the downgrade. We know there's significant demand for U.S. Treasury securities. Will this downgrade affect that? Most analysts believe the downgrade's impact will be relatively limited, 
given the continued demand for U.S. Treasury securities. Due to the vast size of the Treasury market and ongoing investor demand for U.S. government debt, significant fallout from this downgrade is not anticipated. Sounds like this is a story to watch for some time. Anything else we need to know? Just that the news coincides with the recent indictment of former President Trump for efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Senator Chuck Schumer pointedly blamed Republicans for the downgrade, urging them to stop using the debt limit as political leverage. Clearly, this situation will continue to feature heavily in political discourse moving forward, Connie. Thanks for breaking that down for us, Elias. Keep us updated on any developments. Let's move on to our second news item for today. This one concerns Dr. Mandy Cohen, the newly appointed director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC. She recently spoke with NPR about her plans to rebuild trust with the public, especially after reported political interference and confused messaging during the COVID-19 pandemic. Our very own Grace has more details. Grace, what can you tell us? That's correct, Connie. In this NPR interview, Dr. Cohen stressed the importance of transparency and clear communication in reclaiming public trust. She also emphasized the need for robust partnerships and relationship building to address public health issues effectively. That sounds laudable. So what does Dr. Cohen see as the core priorities for the CDC moving forward? Dr. Cohen identified several key elements that need attention. For starters, she's getting ready for the upcoming fall and winter virus season. She underlined the importance of effectively utilizing available tools like vaccines, testing, and treatment protocols to safeguard public health. But she didn't stop at viruses and pandemics. She also addressed the issue of gun violence and the CDC's role in researching and preventing such incidents. Essentially, she believes that by promoting gun safety and putting into practice the best methods and approaches, the CDC might be able to help reduce gun-related deaths and injuries. Interesting. Did Dr. Cohen touch on the issue of vaccine hesitancy at all? Absolutely. She recognized that rebuilding trust in the CDC and scientific institutions is essential for overcoming vaccine hesitancy. Referencing her experience during the COVID-19 pandemic in North Carolina, she noted that transparency, efficient response efforts, and building relationships with diverse communities were critical in achieving high vaccination rates. That makes sense. And what about the CDC's resources? Dr. Cohen stated explicitly that adequate funding is absolutely crucial. Her vision for the CDC is as a national security asset capable of identifying and responding to threats effectively. As such, she feels the agency should be equipped with sufficient resources to execute its mandate. Indeed. I take it the interview also covered other areas? Yes, it did, Connie. For instance, there were concerns about potential budget cuts to the CDC. That's definitely a key issue given Dr. Cohen's stresses on the need for better resourcing. Early October might possibly see a new COVID-19 booster aimed at the latest variant, but the primary focus was on rebuilding public trust and laying out the future priorities of the CDC. All right. Thank you, Grace, for the detailed analysis of the interview with Dr. Cohen about her vision for the CDC. You're welcome, Connie. It's a story that affects us all, so it's important to stay informed. Moving on to our third story, a real-life space drama unfolding over 12 billion miles away from Earth. NASA's Voyager 2 spacecraft 
launched in 1977 and currently on a continuing mission deep into the cosmos, lost contact with mission control due to a glitch causing its antenna to point away from Earth. Now our very own specialist correspondent, Ethan, is here with some developing news in this regard. Ethan, what can you tell us about the situation? Well, Connie, this is indeed an incredible saga of human engineering. Voyager 2, despite having been launched over four decades ago, is still functioning. The real issue here is a communication glitch, causing its antenna to tilt away from our planet. This means we can't send commands or receive data. But the engineers at NASA detected what they call a heartbeat signal from Voyager 2 which indicates that it's still operational. That heartbeat signal must have been a relief across the board at NASA. What's the game plan to reconnect with Voyager 2 then? The engineers will now try to send a command to have the spacecraft reorient its antenna towards Earth for communication. If this fails, however, there's a fail-safe planned. In mid-October, regular commands will reset the spacecraft's orientation which should hopefully allow commands and data to flow again. This is not the first time there's been an issue, right? Our viewers might remember that there was a similar occurrence back in July. Could you elaborate further? Yes, that's correct, Connie. A command was sent erroneously in July which led to the spacecraft's antenna tilting away from Earth, causing this current communication disruption. While getting the antenna to point back towards Earth has proven a tad problematic, there's still optimism as the upcoming orientation reset in mid-October is expected to re-establish communication with Voyager 2. An impressive fall backup plan indeed. But what strikes me the most, Ethan, is that Voyager 2 isn't just out there alone. Could you tell us more about that? Absolutely. Both Voyager spacecraft are essentially the ambassadors of humanity in deep space. The Voyager 2 not only carries a golden record with greetings in languages from around the world, it also captured the iconic, pale blue dot, image of Earth. It's a unique vehicle, the only one to visit Uranus and Neptune. But also keep in mind its twin, Voyager 1. Even further away, nearly 15 billion miles from us, Voyager 1 is also still sending data back to us. Both spacecraft have exceeded their expected lifetimes and are the only ones to have operated outside the heliosphere which is the protective bubble generated by the sun. With so much distance to cover, what's the lag time to get that data back to us? Quite significant, Connie. Just for Voyager 2 alone, it takes about 18 hours for its signals to reach Earth, given it's about 19.9 billion kilometers away. That's quite a journey even for light-speed communication. With that much distance and time already passed since launch, how long can we expect these Voyager missions to continue? Great question, Connie. Although power output is decreasing for both spacecraft due to their age, NASA hopes to at least extend Voyager 2's operations until 2030 and keep reaping valuable interstellar data. It will all come down to the resilience of these amazing machines in the end. Fascinating, Ethan. Humanity's message in a bottle flung into the depths of space. Thank you for all the details, Ethan. Let's move on to our fourth story, which is all about Toyota's famous Land Cruiser. After three years, we're excited to report that the model is back and better than ever. Chloe, can you give us the basic rundown? Of course, Connie. Toyota is reintroducing the Land Cruiser. This time, it's coming back with a retro-style design, taking heed from the beloved FJ40 series. The 2024 Land Cruiser will boast rugged styling and off-road capabilities, and it will come in three trims first edition, 1958, and the classic Land Cruiser. This revamped model will satisfy lovers of nostalgia and modernity alike. 
It seems that Toyota is honoring the model's origins, but still forging ahead with modern technology. What can you tell us about the engine and performance? Well, the 2024 Land Cruiser embraces hybrid technology and will be built on the TNGAF platform. Combining a 2.4-liter .4 four-cylinder engine with a 48-horsepower electric motor, it sums up to a total of 326 horsepower and 465 pound-feet of torque. This SUV also comes with a myriad of off-road features, which means it's well-equipped to handle tough terrains. That sounds promising. Now about the design, I hear there are quite a few throwbacks to previous models. Absolutely. The exterior design goes back to its classic roots. It lacks chrome and Toyota logos. It also has steel bumpers and blocky taillights, which are reminiscent of old Land Cruiser models. However, the interior offers modern features including an 8.0-inch touchscreen, wireless Apple CarPlay, and Android Auto. Buyers can choose the more nostalgic 1958 trim or go for the more luxurious Land Cruiser trim, which offers vegan leather seats with heating and ventilation functions. That's a nice blend of vintage design and modern amenities. Now can you speculate on the potential implications of Toyota's decision to reintroduce the Land Cruiser with this retro-styled twist? Well, Toyota is looking to tap into the growing demand for classic truck-like SUVs and vehicles with off-road capability. By resurrecting the Land Cruiser with a retro design and a more accessible price tag starting at around $55,000, Toyota seems to be striving for a balance between affordability and retaining the classic appeal of the Land Cruiser. Could this reintroduction have an impact on the market, given the Land Cruiser's popularity throughout history? It might, Connie. The Land Cruiser's revival could bring about a significant boost in sales. According to Car and Driver, it is expected that all 5,000 units of the first edition will sell out within the first three months following the release. It's also likely to attract a diverse range of buyers, thanks to its appealing price point and the blend of new and nostalgic features. That's fascinating. Is there anything else that makes the Land Cruiser's revival unique or significant? Definitely. Firstly, this new Land Cruiser shows Toyota's commitment to eco-friendliness. It's a hybrid model powered by Toyota's new global TNGAF platform, demonstrating Toyota's dedication to lessening their carbon footprint. Additionally, the Land Cruiser's long-standing history and popularity in the collector market gives this reintroduction a sense of heritage and nostalgia that's hard to find these days. Thanks, Chloe, for this comprehensive report. I'd like to think that our auto enthusiasts and potential buyers out there have found this discussion very helpful. You're welcome, Connie. It was a pleasure to share these exciting updates about the new Toyota Land Cruiser. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, 11 Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.